The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The Michael Jim Show. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday. Good morning to you. How you doing? It is the Michael Duke Show broadcasting live across the uh, state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com where you'll find the old, uh, the only, the only, the audio only live stream and so much more. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is, uh, uh, it is uh, just another beautiful day here <clears throat> in rainy paradise. And we appreciate you guys coming in and being part of the uh, show today. Um, Firearms Friday is a day that we dedicate to the Second Amendment, to firearms rights, uh, goodness, discussion of uh, um, laws and uh, guns and history and, well, a little bit of everything that surrounds the uh, concept of the Second Amendment. And that's what we're, that's what we're here to do today. Uh, we're going to dive into this and talk about uh, all the different issues uh, that surround it and some of the hot news of the day. It, uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited about, uh, I'm excited about what's, uh, what's going to come down today. On the program, <clears throat> we're going to do a couple different things. Uh, today, first and foremost, we're going to meet up here in a few moments with uh, JD Tuchili, who is a contributing editor at Reason Magazine. Reason's been doing some really good stuff here uh, over the last um, over the last uh, month or two on their coverage of uh, the, the Second Amendment and firearms stuff. Um, it uh, it has escalated. They would occasionally in the past do stories related to the Second Amendment, especially if something big was hitting and, and everything else. But uh, specifically, J.D. Tuchili and Jacob Sullum have been doing just some really, really good work um, over there uh, at Reason. And if you are a Second Amendment aficionado um, or member of the gun culture, I would recommend adding Reason to your reading list uh, for, that, um, for that reason alone. Uh, and of course, they have Lots of other writings from a uh, uh, what I would say a more balanced and libertarian perspective than a lot of the different places out there. Uh, you may not agree with everything that uh, they write about or that they report on, but it is uh, it is really my go-to place for many many stories of a um, of a national nature. I guess I would say, and I know I don't cover a lot of the national stuff here on the program, <clears throat> with the exception of uh, Firearms Friday. 
I know I don't carry a lot of national stuff, but the but reason has a a good handle on most of those things. And so again, my recommended reading site and source for many many different things out there. So go check them out over at reason.com. All right. <clears throat> well, um Good morning. Uh, several ways to participate on the program today. You can do what you is doing right now, which is listening on the radio. But if for some reason you you can't, you can't get the radio. Maybe you're inside of a building. You're in a different area. You're you know whatever. You can always find us. Um, uh, you can always find us uh, on the uh, on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com. That's the audio only live stream. Uh, and of course, you can find the chat room um, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch. Um, uh, probably the most people in the chat room on Facebook right now uh, is where you can go to find out more about that. Uh, but at any one of those places, you can go out there and find it. And of course, the podcasts are available each and every day. Uh, just go to <clears throat> facebook.com or excuse me, go to uh, Castbox or Stitcher or, uh, uh, you know, um, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Spotify. Um, it is a uh, great place to be able to, to. It's really the only place you can tell me what to do. Dukes on demand. Dukes on demand. <laughs> And uh, you can, uh, that's what we call the uh, podcast, and you can find them uh, there. All right. <clears throat> so, what should we dive into today to get things started? Well, first and foremost, um, we have a, a piece of news that is both good and bad. Um, the bad news is, is that there was, a, uh, there was another shooting. Um, the good news is, is that the shooting was stopped almost immediately by an armed citizen. And of course, I'm talking about the shooting at the Greenwood Park Mall, which happened uh, uh, late uh, or early, la early this week, late last week, early this week, um, where a 22-year-old man uh, drew his firearm and put an end to what uh, would have been an absolutely horrific attack. And uh, it surprisingly didn't seem to get much play in the news media. <clears throat> I know that's shocking to you. You can't believe it that they would actually that they would that they would, uh, that they would actually. Uh, uh, you know, not report on a good guy with a gun, uh, and uh, you know, and it that that's it. This is shocking, 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 shocking. Uh, that that's uh, that that's where they're at. But here we are. <clears throat> a good guy with a gun, a 22 year old, stepped up and uh, made things happen. That was in Greenwood Mall in Greenwood, Indiana. Now, the uh, Elijah, uh, Elijah, Elijah, Elijah Dickin is the name of the 22-year-old man who intervened. 
And uh, he has got, uh, you know, he, he has been lauded by pretty much everyone um, for what he did. Even, I would point out, the mall owners. Okay. So here was the interesting thing. And I don't know if you caught this on my Facebook page earlier um, uh, earlier this week. But I posted to my Facebook page, a uh, it was a copy of a tweet from Sage Dynamics, which is a, a firearms training outfit, and uh, they basically they basically pointed out that the uh, mall where the uh, um, the mall where the shooting took place uh, was a uh, was a gun free zone. Uh, in fact, uh, Sage Dynamics points out that I'd like to point out that Greenwood Mall is a Simon Property Group mall. That with a blanket gun-free zone policy, two men broke that policy, one to murder, the other to protect. The gunman is dead because someone ignored that policy. Carry everywhere is what he said. And I've said this for a long time, obviously, that, you know, the, the, the gun-free zones, and we've had discussions with Dr. John Lott about this and other guests to talk about the statistical probability of a of a, uh, a mass shooting happening in an area where guns are strictly prohibited, um, and this is this is no different, uh, my friend. This is exactly what happened. But the interesting part, the very interesting part, is that the uh, that the store and the mall chain, even they had something good to say about the Good Samaritan Dickin. Uh, Dickin legally carried a pistol without a permit under the constitutional carry law that took effect in July the 1st in Indiana. Technically, he violated the mall's no weapons policy, but the owners don't seem bothered. They have a statement on their website saying in part, We are grateful for the strong response of the first responders, including the heroic actions of the Good Samaritan who stopped the suspect. Doesn't sound like they're going to be pressing charges against him for carrying a gun in their mall. Doesn't sound, I mean, so again, this is, because again, both of them ignored that law, but one was there to protect. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, Uh, somebody in the chat room just said NPR did a feature on the mall shooting and they barely mentioned Elisha um, for Of course they did. Of course. Because, again, it doesn't fit the narrative. The narrative is guns are bad. If we had no guns, this wouldn't be a problem. That's the that's their answer. If, you know, guns are bad. And if there were just no guns in civilian hands, this. But again, we could see it across the across the world. That it doesn't matter if you have legal guns in civilian hands. It's the bad guys, the criminals, who will do illegal things who are using the guns anyway. Right? It's like the mall sign. They ignored the mall sign. It's illegal to kill people. It's illegal to shoot. You know, it's illegal. to. They did all these things. The shooter did all these things, just like every shooter does. All the way through. But the idea that the only thing that can stop that, because, again, police have no duty to protect you. And, in fact, we saw in Uvalde that they waited outside for 77 minutes while the gunman went in around killing children and, you know, uh, uh, teachers and children for 77 minutes. 
The only thing that you have the ability to do is to make sure that you can protect yourself and defend yourself. That's the point. That's And that's, that's part of the point of the Second Amendment. And so the idea of a good guy with a gun stopping a bad guy with a gun flies right in the narrative, right in the face of the narrative of the news media. We saw the same thing happen in Sutherland Springs, Texas. You remember that one where the guy went into the, went into the church and, and started shooting people up and, uh, and a neighbor, uh, you know, one of the townspeople rolled up on it while it was happening and he got his AR out and he shot the suspect and the suspect fled and then crashed and died a minute or two later from blood loss. You remember that? And of course, very little was talked about. That I mean, this guy was still loaded for bear. He was still going. He wanted to go find more targets, and he was put down by a citizen with a gun, and in this case, with a scary black rifle. And there was very little. And in fact, I remember that was the actual shooting where Greg Jarrett from Fox News got up and uh, and as a talking head and started spouting off uh, just a bunch of idiocy, including how easy it was to turn that AR-15 into a machine gun. I mean, literally, this was his commentary during that time period. And um, it, I mean, it at that point, I was just like, okay, even, you know, so, someplace as cherished, cherished by freedom-loving Americans as Fox News, which I was not as enamored with Fox News as most people seem to be, but even even Fox News has got a bunch of talking heads that don't know, they don't know nothing. They did, you know, they go out there and they spout off on these issues, and they don't bring an educated person on who is an expert in the field or who knows about firearms or anything else. He just gets up there and starts blathering on and on about how, uh, you know, the scary black rifle was a machine. You know, again, it, it, they don't want to talk about it. They want to put up people that know nothing about it. And really, that's the reason why Firearms Friday is here. So, I guess that was the whole thing. It just, it just, that's where we're at with Firearms Friday. And look at that. We're already up against the break. It is the fastest two hours in radio, especially on Friday. We especially make that happen. So, um, let's, um, let's take a break. And when we come back, J.D. Tuchilli from Reason Magazine will be our guest. And we're going to talk about Uvalde and the response. The new report is out, by the way, from the Department of the Texas Department of Public Safety that chronicles the absolute unmitigated failure of the Uvalde Police Department. And we'll do some comparatives with the Greenwood Mall shooting as well. And uh, Tuchelli is going to be with us to talk about this. Again, great stuff. Don't go anywhere. It is The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, hi there. How are you guys doing? Welcome to Friday. Yes, I am still at home. 
I was planning on broadcasting from Homer today, and uh, it just it didn't happen. Did not happen. Um, so a little bit of a snafu and ended up that, well, I'm staying home this weekend. Oh, staying home. Missing my... Missing my uh, adopted hometown, but uh, that's just how it is. Sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta deal with what life throws at you, right? Sometimes that's how you have to uh, have to make the deal. Um, all right, let me go back here and see what you guys are saying. Uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, looks like California stepped on its PP. SCOTUS is about to release the Kraken, says Jeannie. Um, I've been following this. This is on their on their gun line, California and New York especially. And it looks like now that there's some law, there's some um, lawsuits going on in Delaware to try and force their hand on their stuff as well. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting uh, few months uh, when it uh, comes down to that. An interesting few months for sure. Um, let's see. Let me get Mr. Tuchili on the program and see if we can get things, uh, squared away, uh, for this morning, shall we? We'll get that, uh, whoops, we'll get that going on right now because we can't. That's how it works. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. J.D. Tuchili. Good morning, Mr. Tuchilli, sir. How are you this morning? Doing well, and you? You know, it's a little rainy, which is actually pretty good because the whole we get three million acres on fire up here, and so a little rain not doesn't doesn't hurt us. And uh, you know, it's not snowing, so I guess that's the positive, right? I mean, anytime it's not snowing here in Alaska, we feel pretty good about it. Not snowing and not on fire. You're doing okay. I know, really. It's like, I mean, it just seems like that's, we were talking about that the other day. Summer in Alaska consists of construction delays and forest fires. And that's pretty much, uh, you know, and salmon season. That's pretty much the the three things that we get around here. How's How are things in your world? We're doing all right. We got that whole fire, uh, that uh, forest fire thing down ourselves. And uh, we're in the midst of monsoon and got some rain. So the fires are starting to go out. Smoke's rising in the sky. Uh, yep. We're enjoying our summer. Hopefully it's cooling you off a little bit so all the air conditioners are not sucking the entire energy output of the planet, I guess. That's your big problem down there in Texas, right? Yeah, it's only about 104 today, so oh. uh, locally that's not that bad. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, the, that's the cool time of the year. Yeah, it's a There big, you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, we're in the break right now, just you and me and 30 or 40 of our closest friends on the internet here. Uh, we're about a minute and a half away from rejoining the radio, and we'll get things kicked off uh i did want to uh, i did want to uh to applaud you and laud your uh, your your prowess as a writer you and jd to uh, excuse me you and uh, jacob sullum and uh, uh and everybody a reason you guys have really stepped up your 2a game uh the last few months i've noticed that there's been a lot more writing specifically about the second amendment and i want to tell you that i really appreciate that i'm you're my daily read anyway but it's nice to see a lot more stories about gun rights and things uh uh it seems like you guys have been really digging into that category here recently 
Well, thanks. We appreciate that. And with the uh, Bruin decision, uh, it would have been an oversight if we hadn't treated that. I mean, obviously, it's a very important issue. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But your deep dive into the uh, into the uh, uh, gun making world with your son and everything else, it's a lot of good stuff. So um, I know that Bruin is important, but you guys have been uh, kind of on the tip of the spear on this for a reason. And I appreciate all you're doing over there. So well, thank you. Uh, hold the line here for just a second, uh, J.D., and we'll be back to you here in just a moment. Uh, we've got the latest article from uh, J.D. up right now. I'm posting it in the chat room, and this, again, talks about Uvalde and the new Uvalde report and some of the similarities and differences between that and what happened at the uh, at the Greenville Mall, Greenwood Mall. We're going to continue here in just a second. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share the show. Like and follow the show page. Do all the youtube things. Subscribe, ring the bell. Let's get to it. Here we go. All right, uh, continuing on with this segment of uh, Firearms Friday here on The Michael Duke Show. Again, the one day a week that we dedicate to issues revolving around the Second Amendment. And joining me this morning uh, is a a writer, contributing editor from Reason Magazine, J.D. Tuchilli. He's the former managing editor of of Reason and has worked for a whole slew of uh, magazines and publications. Uh, does some really good work over there at Reason. Uh, calling in from the uh, what he said is a nice, cool day in Texas, only 104 degrees, to share his thoughts with us this morning. His latest article uh, at Reason Magazine, re- at revolving the second, uh, revolving around the Second Amendment, is one civilian with a gun at an Indiana mall offered better protection than 376 cops in Uvalde. Uh, that's a hell of a comparison. We'll get his take on it right now. J.D. Tuchilli joins us uh, on the program. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you. Thank you for having me on. Well, I appreciate that. Now, this has got to be a little bit uh, closer to home for you than many people. You do reside in Texas, um, and so you've got a little bit of a better, uh, I guess, uh, understanding of uh, some of the factors involved in this. Uh, But we've heard about this. Uh, 77 minutes According to this new report, um, which came out exactly the same day that the Greenwood Mall shooting uh, happened, and of course this uh, this report goes through and just chronicles the absolute abysmal failure of the Uvalde Police Department in responding to this uh, shooting at Uvalde in what has been the scientifically proven method of reducing the amount of carnage that happens in these things. Um, let's let's get uh, let's get your take on it. Run us walk us through here. What's going on? Oh, absolutely. Um, by the way, I'm in Arizona, but this is the same oh, region of the country. Sorry, yeah, apologies. and it's oh, no problem at all. But I mean, this is a big deal. You had an enormous police response at Uvalde. You had one shooter. Um, probably stopping him from killing anybody would have been impossible. But from the time police were on the scene until um, the police finally uh, breached and went in, and it was a vortex team, a border patrol team that basically said, we're going to stop waiting for someone to take charge and just go ahead and do it. 
at least 73 minutes passed, which is unbelievable. And during the course of that 73 minutes, of course, you had 19 children killed. You had uh, two teachers killed. You had parents um, restrained uh, from going in themselves when they saw the police were doing nothing. The police restrained one of their own when he got a, a message from his wife that she had been shot and was dying in the classroom. So this is just amazing. 376 officers on scene, one criminal, and it took them over an hour. Uh, to do anything to respond. Um, and the Texas report uh, from the legislature was absolutely devastating about the, uh, the failure to follow their own training, the complete inability for anybody on the scene to take charge, despite the fact that you had, uh, you know, an acting police chief there, um, you, and that there's a whole priority, a whole protocol for who is supposed to take charge of the scene and who that might pass to once somebody else arrives. Right. There really is no excuse for this whatsoever. It was a complete and total failure. Right. Um, yeah, and, and unfortunately, um, and, I, and I pointed this out, it's not a one-off. Um, this happened at Columbine. It happened um, in Florida at the shooting there a, a few years ago. We see these 45-minute to hour-plus delays as the police kind of dither, prioritize their own safety, and and failure, and just totally failed to take responsibility for responding to what's really well, a horrendous situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Columbine was the case study, right? I mean, they the police stood around outside for like 47 minutes or 48 minutes, and and did nothing. And that is like been the case study ever since for law enforcement on these kind of situations because it allowed the gunmen to run rampant in the school. And and they made the decision, okay, we need to go in as quickly as possible, gather some people, even if it's onesies or twosies, they said, uh, against an unknown number. That's our job. That's what we do. And that's what this, that's what the training, that's what, uh, you know, active shooter training is all about. And in fact, the Uvalde Police Department had just gone through uh, a cycle of uh of, of of training on active shooter training like less almost less than 90 days before this happened and yet they ignored everything and just stood around outside uh and again like you said even stopped people who were willing to go in on their own unarmed from and collect their children even then i mean it was just it's just astonishing when you read what actually happened uh, absolutely so. And it's horrifying when you realize that this training they went through was specifically meant to prevent the Columbine delay from happening again. And then the Parkland uh, delay from happening again. So all the training they've received is supposed to, is supposed to say, do not delay go on in because we've seen these failures in the past don't let that be a future case and they went and ignored the training and as the report said they prioritized their own safety over that of the children who were inside those classrooms and i don't know how you fix that no i mean especially since again we've gone through evolution after evolution of training and this has been in place uh, the you know of columbine was in 1999 and basically within a year or two they've they'd kind of come up with these uh, doctrines and everything for just go in and do it and that's the way they've been training for the last 20 years and yet we see these failures now it doesn't happen every time obviously there are instances of uh, police moving in and doing it quickly and and making it happen right well, there absolutely are. There are good cops. I mean, the head of the Texas Department of Public Safety um, is is probably the greatest critic of how this went down. Um, he, you know, he talked about how he's horrified and embarrassed by this. But somebody has to take responsibility at the scene. 
and the person taking responsibility if the other police restrain him obviously isn't going to accomplish anything good either right so uh, um yeah so if you have 376 officers who are not only prioritizing their own safety but won't let anybody else step up and say you know what i'll be the one who goes in um you're going to have delay and you're going to have increased loss of life and the people the people who are paid and tasked and trained to supposedly take on these dangers end up being an impediment to ending a deadly crime. Um, they actually make sure that it continues and becomes much worse than it needed to be. It's interesting, and you don't cover this in the story, but I saw it on some uh, secondary reporting on this, that the city of Uvalde spends 40% of their annual budget on their police department. And, um, and, and, and of course, they had you've seen the memes, the Facebook pictures of the yeah. Uvalde SWAT team and all these things. It's like they almost are canonizing the police department and they're spending a tremendous amount of their money on it. And yet this is such an abject failure. I wonder, I wonder what the long-term ramifications are. I, I saw somebody call for the actual department to be disbanded and have some, you know, have something new put in. I, I don't know what the possibility of that is, but I don't know how you come back from something like this. Such an abject failure. I don't think, I mean, I think the specific department is going to have a very hard time recovering from this. I don't see how they recover faith. I don't see how the individuals involved recover um, trust. But I think also think there's a larger lesson here when you see this happening again and again. And again, I'll point out there are good cops out there. There are cops who go in there. There are cops who take on the responsibility. But institutionally, it's clear that we can't rely on um, a, a trained police force to be the ones to show up who uh, take on a, a difficult situation and resolve it. Because you don't know which cops are going to show up. You don't right. know how they're going to react when they hit the scene. And that's why this is such a stark uh, contrast to that of Elijah Dickin um, at the uh, at the mall, Greenwood uh, Park Mall in Indiana, where you have an untrained citizen. This is a guy who went um, shooting with his grandfather, was never a police officer, was never in the, in the armed forces. Um, and he ends the situation. I had written within two minutes since then we found that it was actually within 15 seconds. Um, he ended the situation. Now, three people, three people lost their lives, but 15 seconds um, to make sure that nobody else is harmed. Um, I think for an average member of the public tells us that maybe we're, we're putting our faith in the wrong um, area, right. professionalizing our protection, professionalizing our safety um, may well have been. I, and I'll say flat out, say it was a mistake. Uh, we should be returning that responsibility to individuals for themselves and for their neighbors and for the public at large. Yeah, and for a variety of reasons. I mean, we've got all these people with training. And as you pointed out, the, the Uvalde police even stopped one of their own from going and somebody who obviously was trained and was willing to put his life at risk for his wife um, and to go in. And they even restrained him. I, I found that interesting. Yet a young boy with no... You know, front sight, gun sight, uh, you know, Thunder Ranch combat training, no other, just simply went shooting with his grandfather, was able to put eight hits on target with 10 rounds uh, 15 seconds after the whole thing started. It, it starts to call into question many of the things that people say about uh, citizens with guns being ineffective. Um, and I quite honestly, I think it puts paid to that argument in total. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've seen, and I cited a number of uh, of examples in there of people who, over the years, in recent years, um, have used a, a gun to defend themselves and to defend others, who have ended mass shooting situations, including another mall shooting in Tulsa. Um, I mean, people who responded because they were on the scene. And even the best police officer isn't on the scene. They got to get there. 
Um, people who usually instigate a crime do so when there's not a law enforcement officer standing right there. So the people who are in the best position to react are those who would otherwise be victims or are bystanders uh, to, to the incident. Uh, and there's just no way of changing that dynamic. I mean, we're not going to have an army of police officers stationed every 15 feet. I mean, that's just not a re realistic scenario. So, yeah, I mean, we have a number of uh, we have a, a great many examples of people defending themselves and who made the headlines so I can find the money to do a news search. We also, I think, a fair number of us know of people who have ended violent attacks by drawing a weapon, did not fire the weapon, and right. then walked away because right. you don't want legal hassles after the fact. Why turn it into a police report when you don't know the local political situation, or maybe you do, and you are, you're all too aware of where this is going to go if you file the police report. So the incident is over, you walk away, and you live your life. Well, and I think that's one of the things that keeps getting missed in this whole argument about guns and, uh, and, and carrying and gun violence, yada, yada, yada is the DGU, the defensive gun uses. I mean, even the lowest number in case study, which I think was the Harvard University study, says that there are 90,000 incidences per year of defensive gun uses. Uh, the highest one is up in the millions, and they say the median is somewhere around 2 million times a year. An average citizen uses their firearm to stop a crime. And in the vast, vast majority of cases, a shot is never fired. Uh, the mere presence of the firearms in the hands of a lawful citizen is enough to stop the crime. And yet nobody talks about that. It's the few thousand incidences where somebody is injured or killed by a firearm versus the millions of times that it's used to prevent something. And, and I think that that's just something that's either intentionally lost in the conversation because it doesn't match up with the narrative of mainstream media reporting and kind of the whole flow of things, or it's just something that they just overlook and maybe it's too, um, I don't know, amorphous for them to be able to report on. Well, I, I think there's a real philosophical divide here. There are people who are deeply uncomfortable, not just with the idea of armed citizens, but with the idea of personal responsibility of people taking on um, the task of ending uncomfortable, dangerous situations, potentially putting themselves in danger. They want to think that there's a professional class that could be hired and uniformed and trained and that will take this unpleasant responsibility away from us. Um, and that isn't necessarily the case. We, we tried that. We're trying that right now. And, and we're not happy with the results. Um, and this, these people who want to turn over and maintain the uh, professional class don't want to see um, people in general taking on more responsibility, perhaps because they themselves are uncomfortable with that responsibility. Um, they're uncomfortable with the idea of responsibility um, being uh, laid on individuals in general across society. And so they're going to gloss over that, partially because you can't quantify it, because a lot of people very deliberately do not you know, make sure that there is not a record of it, don't file a police report. And, and to a large extent also, because it really doesn't square with the philosophical priors. Right. Well, and we've seen that in the coverage. We've seen that in the coverage of Uvalde versus the coverage of the Greenwood shooting. Uh, the Greenwood shooting, somebody in my chat room this morning said NPR did a big piece on this the other day, and they barely mentioned the Good Samaritan Samaritan um, uh, in this at all. It's basically the, the whole coverages of the shooting and then they barely mention it. And, and that seems to be the status quo on this. The stories that are big and flashy are the ones that happen with nobody responding. And anytime somebody stops someone in these regards, and you pointed out, you point out several in your, uh, in your piece here, um, they are, it is silenced and, and, and sometimes even criticized. Yet in this case, in the Greenwood case, I found it interesting that everybody was lauding 
serving the Samaritan from the police department to the local newspaper to even the mall itself, which has a no firearms policy on board and it's posted in their malls. Yet both of these, the shooter and the Samaritan, ignored that. And because of that, the Samaritan was able to stop them and the mall ownership actually even praised them on their webs. I mean, this calls into question the whole gun-free zone model to begin with, right? It just throws more. Of course it does. Yeah, and of course it does. And I really give credit here to the mall owners. I mean, they had done the politically easy thing for years, which is to have a nominal policy in place. We've all seen the signs, you know, guns not allowed on the premises. Uh, And it's easy to put up a sign like that and maintain that policy and not do anything else about it. But when it came down to someone having broken that policy and saved lives, they praised that person instead of of raising the issue of the policy. I give them credit for that. And yeah, of course, I mean, if you have a gun-free zone, the people who are going to obey that are people who by and large intend well and obviously are law-abiding right um you're not going to have any impact on those who never intended to be uh you know to abide by the law and who intend ill towards others they're going to treat a gun-free zone as a uh, as a fishing area because there's a high probability that uh very few people if any are going to be able to defend themselves in such an area J.D. Tuchelli is our guest, contributing editor for Reason Magazine. We need to take a quick break, uh, but when we come back, we're going to continue with talking about a little bit about Greenwood and also about J.D.'s other piece that he wrote recently about the uh, uh, about the police in general and the whole call to ban the ban the guns and the opposing call to back the blue and how those are kind of not just uh, they're they're kind of at odds with each other, but also they kind of all move in the same direction, which is uh, which is problematic. We're going to talk with J.D. about that here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. Don't go anywhere. We'll return in a moment. Don't forget to join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. If you want to see in between the commercial breaks and see a little bit behind the scenes, that's where we're going to be at. We'll return with more in just a moment. And J.D. Tuchelli from Reason Magazine on your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Is that common sense? Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. We're in the break right now. J.D. Tuchilli uh, is our guest. J.D., sorry about the Arizona-Texas thing. I've I, I, I apparently been talking too much to uh, Jacob Sullum because he's in Texas, and that was my— He's in Texas. Yeah. We both have cactus, so, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember that picture of you and your son outside in the arid desert with the with the guns. And so, I, I, in my mind, that was locked into, uh, into Texas. So, uh, I apologize. But, uh, you know, it seems like a, a lot more people are moving uh, from the hallowed hall of uh, of elitism in California and New York and moving down to the Southwest, um, uh, you know, out there. It seems like a lot of your guys, uh, your writers and fellow uh, uh, contributors are all moving down to that area. Must be nice down there. It's lovely here. I mean, I love living in Arizona. I, I know Jacob has been a Texas fan for a long time. Um, it's a good piece of the earth to live in. And of course, the cost of living is a lot more reasonable, especially if you're making your life uh, on an editor or writer's salary. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it's life's a little bit more free. I mean, we love it up here in Alaska uh, and we don't uh, obviously, uh, you know, we've got a little bit of a different weather pattern and everything else. But uh, just, you know, tell your friends if they ever want to uh, decide to move out of the uh, the hallowed halls of elitism that uh, Alaska is always welcoming to them. And we're not always covered with snow and igloos. Uh, 
there are oh, some. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I are. love Alaska. I, I, my honeymoon up there. Uh, backpack the Kasuga Ridge Trail, did some glacier hiking. Beautiful piece of the Yeah, world. no, it's absolutely it's absolutely gorgeous up here, uh, especially the further south you go, the, the milder the winters get. So definitely not too bad. 104 degrees. I don't know how you do it, my friend. You <laughs> I know? don't know how I do it either. I know. I mean, seriously, up here in Alaska, it's like, I mean, I can always put a sweater on if it gets cold, but I can't get much more naked than naked. You know what I mean? And nobody wants to see me running around in a Speedo at 105 degrees because I'm too hot, you know? So uh, anyway, it's uh, it's it's good for you. Have you, tell us a little bit here, we got about four minutes or so, um, your journey into uh, firearms manufacturing. I We've had you on the program before to talk about your um, experiment and exercise with your son on creating a firearm and building your own rifle and things like that. Has that progressed at all? Have you guys, uh, are you guys taking that up as a hobby? Have you done anything else with it? You know, we haven't made another uh, um, another rifle. I do have an eighty percent receiver, another one that we plan on uh, work on building out uh, when the opportunity arises. And got some other parts, um, but we haven't we haven't made that step. I mean, I found it daunting to begin with. I started it because I've been writing for years about uh, Cody Wilson. You know, initially three D print, uh, printing right. a pistol, right? And then um, the you know the evolution of that technology, and then CNC machines. And I had friends who do it. I mean, it's, it's a pretty common hobby around here. And I'm like, you know what? I'm writing about this. I really got to take the plunge. And I got a workshop. You know, why not, you know, get a little more gear? And I've got a son who loves, you know, hands-on hobbies. And I've been making him do stuff he doesn't necessarily want to do. Here, kid, dismantle the toilet um, and rebuild it. Um, let's do something really cool. Right. And we did that. And, yeah, we had that out shooting. I've had my 81-year-old mother out shooting in that rifle with her boyfriend. Uh, and it's really great fun. So we are going to do it again. But, no, that was a one-off so far. Although we've got an 80% receiver to go with for another build uh, sometime soon. Well, and of course, now with the recent changes from the ATF, it's kind of throwing that whole industry into such chaos. Um, whether you can buy blanks or you can buy blanks or tools or you can't buy them together or what constitutes a firearm. I mean, it's gotten so murky. Um, and you, men- you mentioned Cody Wilson and 3D printing. I don't know if you've had a chance to uh, interview or talk with um, um, Rob Pincus from um, – he's from uh, – um, uh, personal, uh, uh, the personal defense network and uh, ice combat training. He has become a huge advocate of 3D printing um, different types of firearms, and he actually participates in a makers match where they actually go out and shoot the pistols in competition that they've created. Um, and he jumped in with both feet last year and has just been going crazy with it. If you want more information on the maker side, the non-professional, not Cody Wilson, just the average guy doing it, um, let me know. I'll put you in contact with him. They do. He does some amazing stuff. Um, I'd, I'd love to. You want to forward that to me. I think that'd be great to follow up on, yeah. especially since the, these innovative designs that aren't based on existing models, but they're, they're going and doing some creative stuff. Oh, it's uh, crazy. It's yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen pistol, uh, you know, things that end up looking like small short barrel rifles or or uh, or personal defense weapons based on a platform, based on a Glock or whatever. And then, then they put it all together. And these things look like space guns. I mean, they're just it's amazing what they're doing with some of this stuff. Um, and, uh, and it looks like a lot of fun. So, uh, we'll get you, we'll get you back on that. Um, before I let you, uh, we're about a minute out here. What, anything else you're working on here that we need to know about JD that you got coming out in the next couple of days that people might be interested in? 
Well, my latest column today is about the Republican Party becoming a political party again, and, and with, with actual other candidates being considered um, <laughs> that are not named Donald Trump. Right. Uh, and, and that there's a sign that they might be returning to policies and ideas and not just a cult of personality. So, I, I mean, nope, it hasn't happened yet, but there's, there's signs of life there. We'll have to see if that actually takes off. Well, we'll I'll be watching that with bated breath to see what happens there for sure. Absolutely. All right. We're going to continue with J.D. to Chile. We're going to talk again a little bit about uh, more about uh, some of the specifics of Greenwood and how it shows uh, what we need to you know what we need to pay attention to and then we'll talk about the whole uh, undermining of the call to ban guns and back the blue uh, JD Tuchilli is our guest the Michael Duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio let's get to it All right, welcome back to the program. We're continuing now with J.D. Tuchilli, contributing editor for Reason Magazine. You can find his writings and much more at Reason.com. If you haven't uh, gone over there and made that part of your daily reading, you are missing out, my friends. Uh, J.D., we were just talking about uh, the comparatives between Uvalde, the shooting there, and what happened at the Greenwood Mall. Uh, Let's get into some of the specifics here in the Greenwood Mall. Again, this is kind of the this is the the case study for those of us who've advocated for armed personal defense and for citizen defense um and it kind of again throws into the face uh, you know right into the face of people who are so anti-gun that this is you're not going to stop bad people from doing bad things the only thing that stops them is good people uh and this is kind of that case study for that it absolutely is. I mean, uh, Elijah Dickens stepped up. One guy uh, trained to shoot, well, not even trained to shoot. He went shooting with a grandfather. It taught him how to shoot. No military background, no police background. Ends what would have been a mass shooting um, inside of, in, in about 15 seconds. Um, you know, admittedly, three people did lose their lives, but it could have been a lot worse. We know it could have been a lot worse because we contrast this with the Ovaldi situation, um, where 376 police officers stood around for over an hour, 73 minutes plus, um, before anybody intervened and ended a shooting that killed 19 children and uh, two teachers. And that's quite a contrast. And it's right. um, and at a time when you've got people saying they want to disarm the public and you've got their nominal opponents saying that we should back the blue and, and put our faith in the police force, this emphasizes how important personal responsibility is and how the advocacy for gun control actually isn't that far off for the, uh, the, you know, the cheerleading for professionalized policing. Right. Uh, they both, both of those positions, even though they're not you know, held by uh, politicians nominally in opposition to one another, both those positions are abrogations of individual responsibility. And if you have people who take on uh, responsibility for their safety and that of their neighbors and that of the community, they're exercising a personal responsibility that kind of rejects both advocacy of gun control, that which would disarm the public, and advocacy of back the blue, that which would professionalize um, keeping the public safe um, in the hands of government employees. Uh, So I I think that what we saw here in the hands of Elijah Dickens at at the uh, Greenwood Park Mall – 
was something that is um, an exercise of individual responsibility of personal freedom and doesn't really help the arguments of either the back the blue or the gun control advocates. I'm going to agree with you that I think that this really falls back to an abdication of personal responsibility. Uh, I think that that is probably some of the prime movers here. But you you do make the interesting point in your other piece, which you have talking about how the report undermines the Uvalde report undermines the both the gun ban and the back the blue. And again, I want to be clear, just like you were earlier. Look, there are good police officers out there. There's no there's no doubt about it. The problem yes. is, is that there's also bad police officers and they really don't get called out or are held responsible. So this idea that we should somehow, um, you know, uh, venerate uh, the the police as they're the only ones that are able to do it for it. They're the only ones that have the training, the only ones that can do it um, on the right side. And yet on the left side, it's no firearms for anybody except the police, except for, of course, when we want to defund the police. I mean, it's it's so confusing. The bottom line is we've seen it in action here. These, these literally holding these two things up side by side shows you that you can't hold the police up as infallible uh, because, of course, they're human. They, they're not infallible, and their track record is pretty abysmal when you look at it overall. Um, and you can't vilify average citizens because it seems like, first of all, statistically, concealed carry permit holders are less likely to commit crimes than anybody, including police officers. So, I mean, just the facts don't hold up when you scrutinize it. They, they don't. They absolutely don't. And as you said, yeah, there are very good police officers out there. There are a lot of cops who are embarrassed and angry about the conduct of Uvalde. But if their bad colleagues are going to pin them to the floor, if they try to, um, if they try to act, if they're going to stand in the way, um, that you know, obviously that prevents them from from exercising the uh, the you know the authority that they would need to do to protect us. And we also, as members of the public, don't know which kind of cop is going to show up. Right. Who is it? Who's on the other end of that nine one one call, and that we've got to, we've got to wait for them to arrive. So personal responsibility, as it comes down to it, kind of rebuts both the back of the blue position and the gun control position because you can't just professionalize safety and hand it off to these amorphous government employees of unknown quality of unknown moral fiber and hope that and just hope for the best because we've seen the best doesn't happen time and again well and again it, it, the whole argument on both you know on both sides but especially on the more progressive uh, pro-gun control side seems very schizophrenic. I mean, at the one point they say nobody should have guns except for the government, the police, the military. Uh, and yet in the next breath, they talk about things like defunding the police and things like that. So it seems like they their messaging is really unclear. What is it? And I think, again, it does boil down to. I don't really want to take responsibility for myself. I want somebody else to come and take responsibility for me, but not him, maybe him, but not him. I mean, it's just again, it's 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 that transference of responsibility. Well, exactly so. I mean, who do they think it is is going to enforce gun control? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to right, be armed right. police, right? Right. And they're going to have to be fairly substantially supported if they're going to take on a role like that. So you, if you, I think it is a rejection of personal responsibility. It's an overall discomfort. And the message that they put out really um, doesn't make sense. It, it's internally contradictory because you either, if you're going to disarm the public, you then have to take on that back the blue position and embrace it and say, we're going to have the, you know, the state in charge is going to be essentially all powerful is going to take on this responsibility if you both disarm the public and disband or defund your professionalized police force 
it's really not obvious who it right. is is supposed to prevent um, all the crimes out there that we don't want to be committed against the public. Right. Absolutely. And of course, I think this this really highlights the fact that we definitely need some police reform. Um, I mean, there's a variety of areas where I think that needs to take place. Um, the whole issue of qualified immunity, the the holding them responsible for certain things, the fact that we do have good police, but they are singled out and vilified for calling out the bad police, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I think it shows that we do need uh, reform in many areas of law enforcement. And somebody in the chat room says, why not defend the police and leave the public armed? I think that what we should do is reform the police and leave the public armed. What do you say? Oh, absolutely. Look, I do think we need a law enforcement element. I mean, and we can discuss exactly, and, and there's legitimate discussions about the parameters, the responsibilities. Do we want to ask them to be social workers too? Do we want to ask them to do these other things? But also, we want them to be members of the public. We want them to be part of the community um, that they protect. And increasingly, over the last couple of decades, well, several decades, we have militarized them. We've removed them from the public because we're afraid of petty uh, corruption and them getting free lunch or free right, right. at the local bar. So you stick them in a car and now all of a sudden they're alienated from the community and it's more like they're um, an occupying force than like just people who happen to be have a job like the, you know, the street sweeper and the dentist and everybody else. And that I think is not helpful in any way. If you're not a member of the community, it, it's very difficult to participate in and protect it and value the lives and property of those who live there. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we need to reform it. We need to make sure they're members of the community, and we definitely need to get rid of the qualified immunity. Of course, they have to be liable for their actions. If they misbehave, like anybody else, we have to be able to hold them liable. Absolutely. And if we're afraid, yeah, and if we're afraid of frivolous lawsuits, then we address our legal system. You, we can we can also reform or reform civil justice. Yeah, uh, we can definitely do that. But they should not. Police should not um, be immune to liability for their actions. No, and we could go. That's a whole another show right there. Uh, qualified immunity and 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 everything else. Uh, JD Tuchilli, contributing editor for Reason Magazine. You can find him at Reason.com. JD, thank you so much for coming on today. You made the day a lot brighter. I appreciate you coming uh, coming coming with us today. Thanks for having me on. All right, folks, we got more coming up. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Firearms Friday. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. All right. JD Tuchilli has left the building. Not helpful in any way is wrong. An occupying force is exactly what the elites need and want, says Chris over on Twitch. Uh, I mean, that's probably what they do want. And, and uh, th- I mean, again, there's a whole thing built into this. There, we should do a whole show on uh, qualified immunity because we've seen instance after instance where uh, things that are blatantly and obviously wrong have uh, have been allowed to take place with no repercussions to law enforcement. And it just, it again, it encourages the bad actors to do bad things. Um, you know, the bad apples that are in every barrel, we always hear about that, right? Well, police are good in general. There are bad apples in every barrel. What they don't tell you is the rest of it. If you don't take the bad apples out of the barrel, they will cause all the other ba- apples to spoil, right? You've seen it in a bowl of fruit. You got one piece that's got a bruise on it uh, and it's getting nasty. And the next thing you know, the whole bowl is contaminated because you didn't take it out. And that's what's happening. Um, 
that's that's what's happening, I think, in law enforcement in a lot of ways. And because we've seen it, we've seen that whistleblowers and people who call out the bad behavior who are within the law enforcement community, they become uh, they become uh, outcasts, they become vilified, they are uh, criticized, they are hounded. Um, you know, is that that whole fraternity, don't cross the thin blue line kind of thing. Uh, I am a full supporter of police, but I am also a supporter of police who obey and follow the law and who do not uh, take on that uh, that occupying force uh, kind of mentality. And he's right. You know, where is the beat cop that used to walk the beat, that used to walk around, that knew Mr. Jones, the baker, and, uh, you know, Miss Swanson, the florist, and and knew the restaurants and everything else? Uh, he's right. They, they putting him in cars and causing him to drive around, and, and it does become more of an occupying force than anything else. I think that's an interesting comparative uh, for discussion. All right. Um, let me go back to the chat room and see what else you guys uh, have got to say. Jeannie says, you, you all need to tune into Armed Scholar on YouTube, legal analysis of the SCOTUS ruling regarding firearms. I'll go check him out, the Armed Scholar. I'll go... Uh, I'll go see what they uh, have to say about it. Um, uh, it's like yelling at your neighbor's dog for pooping in your yard. It's just words. Sometimes words just don't stop bad things from happening. Yep, exactly. Uh, good day, good day, good morning. Um, Texas Attorney General lawsuit against ATF's cracking down on Texas suppressors is going on. Thank, uh, thank you, uh, Sean, for telling me about that. Feel free to post. Uh, feel free to post any links you want on that. Um, uh, uh, any of you read that piece from Hand Waving Freak Outery, making the same points about muting the praise for Dickens? I haven't read it yet. I love to read that guy, but I always have to have like a quiet spot to do it, Brian, because I really want to. I mean, he's he's got he's it, for he's talking about hand waving Freak Outery, which is a Substack. Um, uh, blog. Um, and the guy always makes some very, very interesting points. I mean, just some really, uh, I think, insightful. I don't always agree with him, but I think he makes some really insightful stuff. Um, uh, I have not read it, but he is, again, he, it's it's some deep stuff. So whenever I do it, I want it to be like, I want to be a quiet room. I don't want to be working. I don't want to be distracted. And so that... Uh, um, that 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 is a that is a, a, a an interesting time. Um, all right, cops and ATF were uh, blah blah blah. Thugs, what happened to innocent until proven guilty? Uh, <laughs> oh, commenting on that. Uh, Hunky Lee running for Senate. I'm waiting on the phone. Hunky, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask you to call back. I uh, today is my day for firearms. Today is not the day to interview candidates. I saw your email, um, and we'll have you back on the program. We had you on the program here a few weeks ago. We'll have you back on the program here in the next couple weeks. But I've got a pretty full dance card for the next uh, for the next uh, 10 15 days as we get closer to the primary. Um, and so I'll, but I'm going to try and get you back in there. Uh, but I'm not going to talk to you today, uh, about your candidacy. So, uh, but I will respond to your email. We'll get things uh, squared away. So I'm going to clear you out of the phone lines there and we're going to open them up, open up the whole phone lines for gun Q and a, that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, feel free to, uh, feel free to participate that. Um, I'm not old enough to remember that time, says Chris on Twitch, uh, talking about the cops walking around, knowing everybody, you know, and all that kind of stuff. He said, I kind of just thought it was a myth. No, 
I mean, that was what they used to call it. Today, they call it community policing. But back in the day, that was just policing. That was just you were a peace officer. You wandered around, you know, in your uniform and you said hi to everybody and you walked the streets and you, you know, you investigated crimes as they came up. But it was you were involved in many communities. You're seeing them are trying to go back to that where they have cops that are beat cops, you know, that walk the streets and are involved in the community. And that seems to be having some success. And uh, it's, you know, it, it, uh, and I think it's, it's one of the reasons why, like you said, we are so divorced from them in so many ways. Um, that is a, that is a, a good thing to, uh, to do there. Um, all right. Let's see. We're about a minute out. Good morning, Jack. Uh, thanks for coming on board. Uh, do me a favor. Would you guys do this for me? Um, I see that we've got four shares. There's 25 people here in the chat room, and only four of you have shared it. Would you share the show? Would you do that for me? That would sure be awesome. If you'd hit that share button, if you'd like the show page, if you'd follow the show page, if you're on YouTube, if you do all that, you could share it off of you. Did you know that? You could share YouTube to your Facebook. Why don't you share it? to your Facebook page and then subscribe and hit the ring the little bell thing there to make sure that you get notifications when I go live every morning so you know where I'm at. Uh, in case Facebook doesn't work, you'll always know that you have YouTube to back it up. Um, so if you would do that, that would be awesome. Uh, if you haven't shared it, please share and uh, do all that stuff, uh, do all that stuff together. All right, it's uh, time to get things ready to rock and roll. Let's go. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? This is for fighting. It's for Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a Second Amendment nature right here. Uh, on the big radio program. We appreciate you guys being part of it and uh, joining us here on the show today. It is uh, uh, that one day a week where we get a chance to talk about issues related to the Second Amendment and to, um, you know, to to inform, to inform and to educate you on a lot of these things. Uh, because the news media is not doing it. The news media has, again, over and over and over again, shown that they do not have the 
the where well they have the wherewithal they probably have the uh, resources they just don't have the interest in covering a lot of these things in a fair equitable and factual matter and that's one of the reasons why firearms friday was kind of born uh, out was to try and uh, demystify the firearm and to counteract some of the things that you see in the mainstream media uh, time and time and time again so today is the day that you get a chance to sound off on your own and talk about things. We're going to go ahead and uh, open up the phone lines for what we call gun Q&A, which is questions and answers, obviously. Um, but it's all about firearms, and we will talk with you about anything that's firearms related. Um, we will answer questions uh, about related to firearms and gun rights. Uh, the mantra and the, the creed of gun Q&A on Firearms Friday is that there is no such thing as a dumb gun question. I mean, you may feel like it's a dumb question, uh, but we don't think that uh, here on the program. We being the royal we. Me, I don't think that. I think that any question regarding a firearm that I can answer honestly and truthfully, um, you know, I want to do that because I want more people to become part of of uh, the gun culture. And that doesn't mean that I know everything, okay? I'm pretty good. I know a lot. My Google foo is strong. But I also have the, um, um, I also have the, uh, uh, the smartest listeners in the world. So if I don't know an answer to something, somebody out here in the listening audience probably does. And probably somebody in the chat room has an answer. So we'll, we'll, get, that, uh, we'll get those things answered as best we can. And we're trying to demystify the firearm because... You know, look, ignorance breeds fear. J.D. Tuchilli was our guest in the last hour from Reason Magazine, and he um, was talking about how a lot of this, in his opinion, and I agree with it, stems from the lack of uh, the, the lack of will to take personal responsibility for your actions. You know, this is from people who don't want other people to have guns um, or, uh, you know, are, are afraid. It seems to be that a lot of it comes from that lack of, of willingness to take personal responsibility. Um, and a lot of the reasoning that you hear out of there is, is, is J.D. said, is because people are uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable about the idea of armed citizens. And I don't know why they would be uncomfortable other than the fact that ignorance breeds fear. Ignorance of something breeds fear. And as an example, um, you know, like if you walked into a if you walked into a workshop and uh, and somebody said, uh, here's a skill saw go and you've never used a skill saw in your life. Now, it's a tool. But it can be very dangerous if you don't use it properly. And so you are very, very leery, uh, you know, or a chainsaw. You've never used a chainsaw. And somebody just hands it to you and says, go cut up, just go buck up that log. It can be very, very scary. But with a little training, with a little time, with a little explanation, um, and just a few minutes practice, you can get pretty good with either one of those tools in just a short period of time. The same is true for firearms. Yes, they're a tool, and yes, they can be dangerous to yourself and others, but with a little training, a little practice, and the next thing you know, it becomes almost second nature to you to be able to use those things without any kind of fear. And I think that's the biggest problem we have today is that people are just fearful. Their, their main 
intake on information from guns is, you know, the entertainment industry and the news media. And of course, what do you see in the entertainment industry? You see people shooting each other and being shot and guns and how dangerous they are. You see the, uh, the, the news media talking about firearms in such a way that they, I mean, in, in many times it's misinformation. It's not real information, but they're fostering that fear of the unknown. So Firearms Friday is here to demystify, to educate, to inform to enlighten, to entertain. That's, wow, there's a lot of lot of stuff in there trying to bake into Firearms Friday. So we're opening up gun Q&A right now. I uh, want to say today's program is being brought to you by our friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com for your cellular, satellite, communications need, VHF radio, whatever it is that you need. Satellite West can hook you up over at SatelliteWest.com. We're going to open up those phone lines right now at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Let's go over to the phones and get things started this morning to see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Well, Michael, it's Fred in Rhode Island. How you been? Well, hello, my friend. How are you this morning? Oh, wonderful. The balmy 90 degrees over here in New England, which is very seasonably unusual. Yeah, but, it's uh, a little you know, warm. Like, like everything else in the summer. A little warm. Something new. A little. Okay. Well, anyway, the reason why I called is, you know, you mentioned the news media. You know, the media... Historically, you know, they you have a responsibility. You know, the First Amendment, they have, you have the right to say whatever they want to say. However, they have a responsibility to do it correctly, fairly, and evenly, and you know, across the uh, you know across the board. And they they choose to ignore that. And I think that they are. I believe that they are totally linked in with the uh, woke left and the progressive party and the green green New Deal crap and all that other nonsense that's going on from the other side, which doesn't make any sense at all. To anybody with any common sense, however, you know, when did they ever have any common sense? You know, right, so right. So it's, it's really, it, 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 we're just being, you know, it's kind of like you know, dragging dragging the bull around by the ring in his nose is what they're trying to do, and you know, they just pick and choose the subjects they want to talk about or have to talk about because they are in link with the wokes, and they don't. There's no ifs ands buts about it. I mean, that's just too obvious to ignore that the fact that they are on board with all this woke nonsense. And, uh, you know, they are, as much a, they are as much a part of the problem as the problem itself, you know, the way I see it. No, I mean, I would agree. And, again, that's really the genesis of, uh, you know, why Firearms Friday became a thing is because I got sick and tired of watching the news media with either lazy reporting or intentional misreporting of the facts um, uh-huh. go out there over and over and over again. I mean, I just, I got so sick and tired of it. And, uh, you know, I, I used to think that it was just, it was lazy and, you know, they were looking for the easy route. But with some of the outlets, it, it came, became apparent to me that they didn't even, they, they just didn't even care. It was not even unintentional. It was just like kind of blasé. We'll just throw anybody up there in the chair who can talk uh, clearly for five or ten minutes on the topic, whether or not they're qualified and whether or not the information they're putting out there is even l- correct and legal. Um, and and that's part of the problem that you know has been kind of fostering this fear uh, or this adverse reaction to firearms in the hands of citizens for years. Well, I think it goes beyond that, though. I think it's deliberate. I think it is absolutely deliberate, crafted, and put together, you know, with the entire, you know, crazy agenda, you know, crazy progressive agenda in mind, you know, and it's deliberate, 
Like I say, they're as much of, they are they are as much of the problem problem as the problem itself. They are the problem. Uh, they're a major contributor to the problem. And what what he should have done twenty years ago when he had the opportunity is to put in an a opposing media network source. And, you know, that way, you know, I mean, it, you know, you have like three or four major networks in the country, you know, and, and, and you right. know, as far as like, you know, media and you know, the rest of them are kind of, like, you know, small, small time, but they, they are effective, you know, collectively they are effective. However, not as effective as ABC, NBC, CNN, and, you know, the, you know, the rest of the, the rest of the CBS, you know, the rest of the, the rest of them. And they're all being controlled. They're all being manipulated and controlled. It's a big dollar sign from, you know, the corporation themselves and outside sources right. and this and that and the other thing. And, you know, multi-billionaire, billionaire contributions and, you know, little wink-wink, you know. Well, uh, you know, I mean, it's called the halls of justice. The only justice is in the halls itself. You know, that, that kind of nonsense. Right. Well, I think we, we saw that, Fred. I mean, that was really the rise of Fox News was as an alternative point of view for media. But they've been taken over. But again, yeah, they've been taken over by a bunch of wolves, right? Yeah, but even in the last ten years, we've seen Fox News uh, kind of fall apart. And 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 again, uh, the one that really stands out to me was the I was talking about it earlier the uh, the the Sutherland Spring shooting in Texas. That was the first time I ever saw a Fox News commentator, Greg Jarrett, in this case, get up there and just start blathering off at the mouth about stuff that he knew absolutely nothing about, but saying it was such. Uh, with such conviction that I know that there were a lot of people out there who were going, oh, yeah, yeah, right, he's right on, not knowing at all what he was talking about. So, and, and you know, I, I think the free market is what we need to have go in there. I don't think we need to mandate that there needs to be a different uh, network or anything else. But I, I think that uh, Brian in the chat room makes a very valid point this morning when he says it's all about clicks. And we've seen that. We've seen that in the coverage. The Greenwood Mall shooting um, was not as... Uh, was not as uh, uh, attractive to the news media outlets because it didn't fit their narrative. Um, it was a shooting that was stopped. And, you know, the the tragedy sells, right? We know that. And they're looking for that. So that's why they'll cover something like Uvalde or the uh, YouTube shooting or Parkland or something like that. They'll cover that wall to wall for days and yet uh, a shooting where the uh, where the the culprit is stopped by an armed citizen gets barely a mention in the press because it doesn't fit their narrative and it doesn't allow them to click 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 uh, get more clicks and get more eyeballs on their stuff and i think that's part of the problem as well well like i say you know rights and responsibility have to go hand in hand and they're not going to be fair about it and someone's got to someone's got to step up to the plate and even even the odds, because you know we're getting we're getting we're getting buried. You know we are getting we are getting smothered here. You know and the fact that you know every time you turn around and try to do something right in this country, all you do is kick you in the teeth. You well, know, and it is wrong. It's just absolutely totally wrong. It doesn't make a difference whether firearms or energy or price of gas or you know just living conditions in general or having Big Brother breathe down your neck on everything you want to do, every aspect of your life. Right. Actually, you know, I mean, it's it, 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 it's time it's time to wake up and smell the coffee and do something. Yeah, no, I uh, I definitely agree with that, Fred. I appreciate you calling in this morning, and uh, come on, and uh, thank you for uh, for uh, being part of it today. All oh, right. All right. Oops. Sorry. Cut you off there, Fred, but that's what it is. That leaves all four lines open if you'd like to sound off gun Q&A all day. I also have some uh, news stories and headlines, which we'll get into here in just a few moments, and we will continue our discussion. It is The Michael Duke Show. 
Broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or FM translator. We'll continue with more in just a moment. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show if you want to be part of the chat room there. I got a couple questions out of the chat room as well that I'm going to get to here in just a hot second. We'll return with more. Phone lines are open at 433-3150-907-4333-150. Firearms Friday continues right after these messages. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm less inclined towards the conspiracy and more inclined to the exploitation of existing conditions. Yeah, I don't believe it's some big, I agree with you, Brian. I don't think that it's some big overarching conspiracy. And I agree with you, not just because you bought one of my Common Sense Core mugs. And uh, I show, I saw your post on that, by the way, pimping it out. Exi- That's a big mug, isn't it? I wanted a big mug. That's what, I mean, I, I, when I chose those mugs, I was looking for a big cup of coffee. I wasn't looking for some little teeny tiny diner counter coffee. I wanted a big cup of coffee. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I, uh, I, 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 that's what I, I love that. But I don't agree with you just because you bought some of the, uh, you bought some of the coffee mugs. Um, I agree with you because I, I don't think it is any kind of big overarching conspiracy. I think it is an exploitation of existing conditions. I think that it is, again, we're looking for headlines. We're looking for success. I mean, how do you, first of all, how do you uh, categorize? How do you, uh, you know, in, uh, 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 you know, how do you track success in something like news media? You know, it used to be ratings and eyeballs in front of the televisions and circulation numbers and things like that. Today, it's based on the number of clicks and time spent viewed on the pages and things like that. That's how you quantify success in today's environment. And, of course, with the proliferation of things that are on the Internet, uh, different news outlets, uh, bloggers, commentators, everything else, you're competing in a much larger space than you were before when you kind of had a, you know, you kind of had a monopoly, whether it was over the air broadcast television or whether it was cable. You, you know, you had there was a finite number of competitors in the space. Well, now with the Internet everybody's competing for the same set of eyeballs. And so that's when you get to the, you know, that's when you get to the clickbaity headlines. That's when you get to the, the highest, most, you know, the most, uh, outrageous, the most, uh, you know, um, um, uh, lurid headlines that you're, uh, uh, that you're that you're you know you're looking at that's that's what causes people to be drawn. So again, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's just a it's a nature of the beast at this point is that they're looking to get more headlines. And so again, the more lurid the headline, the more likely is somebody is going to pop off and go read your article and spend time on your site. And so that's how they're tracking and quantifying success these days. So there you go. 
Um, hey, I would invest in some swag, said Jimmy, if you had some gas cards. Gas cards? What? How? What? Jimmy. Well, I mean, I don't even know. <clears throat> how would that even work? How would that even work? Just get yourself a Michael Duke Show coffee mug or a T-shirt and uh, and rep the show that way and show your support that way. That's the only way you could do it. They are big coffee mugs, though. I don't have one here in front of me, but they're, I think they're 15-ounce coffee mugs. Uh, if I recall correctly, the uh, the size of them, they are deep and delicious, and uh, it's a good too. Um, oh, you got a connection? I know you, do. man. If I had a connection, I paid five dollars and sixty nine cents a gallon for gas the other day. If I had a connection, I would be using it. I gu- I guarantee I would be using that uh, that connection to get the job done. Am I, am I building a refinery? Yeah, no. Yeah, good luck with that, right? Good luck with that. Um, all right. <clears throat> Let me see if there's anything else that uh, anything else I missed this morning uh, so far. Um, real simple, says Jimmy. Trooper in front of me. I will not be speeding. Just the presence of law enforcement is enough to deter. I. That's what we were talking about with the community policing. You know, having a beat cop uh, in the community. Um, you know, being there as a visual presence and then having uh, relationships with people in the community as well. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's a great, uh, that's the great part of, I mean, that's the difference between a peace officer and a law enforcement officer, right? We've talked about that in the past. It used to be that we had peace officers here to bring the peace, not law enforcement officers who were only here to enforce the law. Um, and I think that's the difference between the occupying force and the, uh, and, and the other. All right, uh, we're coming back to it. Uh, one final segment here before we get to Willy Waffle and our weekend movie reviews. Let's uh, let's dive down into it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. All right, uh, here we go. Continuing on, hour two, one final segment before we uh, one final segment before we go to break. Uh, it is the Michael Duke show. We are uh, we're ready to uh, uh, jump down into it here. If you would like to call in, feel free to uh, feel free to drop us a line. I'd love I'd love to hear what you guys have to say this morning. Anything of a Second Amendment nature is A-OK in my book. Um, Now, uh, somebody asked, I think it was Dan. Dan on YouTube asked a question, and this is part of the Q&A. And so I want to to go over here and answer, um, wanted to go ahead and answer the question here. Dan says, uh, off of YouTube, he's watching on YouTube this morning. What are some carry positions for a heavier guy who has to sit a lot for a living? It needs to be concealed. This is something that I might have a passing familiarity with, uh, being a heavier guy who has to sit a lot. Um, it needs to be concealed. Of course, you know, one of the favorite positions for many uh, folks out there, especially those of the skinnier variety, is <clears throat> what they call appendix carry, which is, uh, you know, right in the front of your belt. 
Um, obviously, those of us who've got a little extra loving going on, uh, who've got a little bit of the Dunlop disease where our belly's Dunlopped over the front of our belts, that's not a, uh, that's not a, a, a good solution. Um, my solution is I carry um, uh, at uh, uh, it, kind of the kidney, if not the appendix position, more the kidney position. Um, I would carry, you know, at the three, four, five o'clock position um, uh, around the outside of my belt uh, and still be able to, you know, small in the back, depending on how, like, I'm pretty broad in the shoulders. And so to reach into the small of my back is uh, is a little more um, uncomfortable and not as fast. Uh, and if you place a pistol in a holster at the small of your back, sitting on it for hours can be, well, let's say uncomfortable, uh, very uncomfortable. So I find that, uh, if you're right-handed, you know, carrying at the, the four o'clock position, you know, four, four thirty somewhere in there, uh, makes it fairly convenient and comfortable for you to sit in a car or in a chair, uh, even if it has arms or a console next to you, that that nestles up pretty good. If you're left-handed, that would be somewhere in the neighborhood of the seven seven thirty position. Um, if front is if front is twelve noon and back is six o'clock, then you know what I mean. Um, that that is a handy position to have, and it still makes it um, uh, it still makes it readily accessible for the most part. Now. Uh, is it as accessible as somebody who is appendix carrying, like if you're sitting down in a vehicle, or is it as accessible as somebody who's appendix carrying? No, but if you are a big enough guy that you've got a belly and you can't appendix carry to begin with, it's a moot point. You're looking for the the least worst solution for that, and so uh, it's uh, it, it it it'll it's th- there you go. That's that's how it goes right there. Um. All right. Uh, that is the answer to that question. What else? If there are any more questions in the chat room? Um, yeah, especially if you have a hammer-fired pistol. Um, yeah. being Trying to appendix carry with even a little bit of a belly and a hammer-fired pistol, like, for example, a Colt 1911, um, it's not necessarily always comfortable. Uh, I find that, I find that uh, strong side carry... Uh, in the, you know, in the, uh, in the four o'clock position, a four thirty position somewhere in there is much more preferable for me personally, uh, than for most, but maybe you guys have got a second position. Now there's other options, of course, you know, uh, whether it's a shoulder holster, I mean, do you wear a suit coat all day or do you wear vests or something like that? You could always wear a shoulder holster. I mean, that, that's still a viable, uh, a viable option. Uh, you could wear, uh, a cross draw holster if you are wearing a coat to button it up, but if it has to be concealed, you're probably better off with the shoulder holster or the side holster. Um, uh, I mean, shoulder holsters are very convenient for uh, if you sit a lot all day or if you drive a lot, you're in a vehicle or something like that, because it is always accessible right there. Under, but that also means that you have to wear some kind of overgarment. Right, so whether it's a suit coat or a vest or something like that, if you want it to be concealed, that is the important part. But it is a lot more convenient to have a shoulder holster than a waist holster if if you are uh, if you're sitting a lot. So just keep you know, kind of keep those things in mind. Um, and you could mix it up. You could do a little bit of either. I personally like to go with one method and stick with it simply because it's a um, 
simply because it is a, uh, a habit thing. I like to be able to be in the habit and train muscle memory and do that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's totally up to you. Um, you know, in hot, hot climates, shoulder holsters, not as convenient because, again, you have to wear some kind of overgarment um, and, uh, and do stuff like that. Big Michael Duke show sweater vest with the Firearms Friday logo. That might defeat the whole purpose of being of carrying concealed if you've got a big Firearms Friday logo emblazoned on your chest of your sweater or your vest. You know, <laughs> that might kind of that kind of might have a, a screw up your your whole your whole thing there. But um, you know, try a little, try it out. I, I, I don't know, Dan. I hope that answered your question. Um, the biggest thing for me is is to make sure that if you are going to conceal carry, especially in a more unusual configuration, expect that you're going to have to spend some money. Um, I have all of my holsters custom made by uh, my friend Kevin up at 40 Below Kydex in Fairbanks. He makes my holsters for me. Um, and... Uh, that you know they're a little pricier than you would go down to Cabela's or someplace and buy something. They're a little pricier, but they definitely make the difference. Um, I have a my 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 uh, pistol is uh, or my holster rather is a uh, inside the waistband tuckable. Uh, so what that means is is that it has J hooks on the outside of the holster. And you slip it down inside your inside your waistband between you and your belt, and it clips on the outside of the belt. So the whole pistol and the whole assembly is inside your waistband. And then the J-hooks allow you to tuck your shirt around the outside of the pistol uh, and tuck it in behind uh, the holster on the other side between your holster and your pants. And so you still have it. It's still secure. Um, it's still concealed. And now you have a shirt over it, so you don't have to wear a secondary garment over the top of it. Um, you could do it with a polo shirt or a, a you know bowling shirt or a t-shirt, uh, depending on how tight the t-shirt is. You don't want it to print on the outside if you're looking to carry it concealed. But that is my solution for that. Um, and if you're going to carry, if you're going to wear a shoulder holster, shoulder holsters are going to be a uh, that it's going to be a much more expensive proposition for a quality shoulder holster, uh, because generally speaking, they're all made out of leather. Um, I have seen some uh, hybrid Kydex, uh, Cordura Kydex leather um, shoulder holsters. I've never owned one, but uh, it does sound like an interesting, it does sound like an interesting, uh, um, um, anyway, it's good. Um, GS Holsters in Wasilla. Uh, I've seen some of his holsters. He makes some good holsters. Uh, GS Holsters, Quick Lock Holsters in Wasilla, 40 Below Kydex in Fairbanks. There are plenty of folks around the state who are doing custom holsters. And it's one of the it's one of the things that we talk about in our rule of three. If you decide you're going to go forth armed, that, you know, that that there's, you know, the rule of three is that you should spend three times the amount of money uh, on the whole package overall that you would spend on the firearm. So if you're going to spend $500 on the pistol, you should also, also spend another $500 on training to use that pistol, training classes, concealed carry classes, everything else, and then you should spend another five hundred on quality accessories. And I mean, I cannot tell you, especially if you're going to carry concealed every day, I cannot tell you how important it is to have a good, high quality holster. It it is, it is, uh, it's imperative. 
It will make your life so... I have had crappy holsters. And having crappy holsters and carrying around a large pistol all day can be exhausting um, and, 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 and just an inconvenient and everything else. Uh, you, I would include in those accessories, by the way, I would also include a good belt, um, a, like a duty belt. I just had a belt made by uh, Custom Leatherworks in Fairbanks this last fall. Um, I had, or this spring, I guess, I had a, a brand new belt made. Um, forest green, beautiful, thick, stiff, two and a half inch duty type belt, um, stained to my perfect color that I wanted. And it has been incredibly comfortable, uh, for a big, nice, thick leather belt that holds my pistol just perfectly. Or you can get a riggers belt. There's a lot of different things you can do. A lot of different things that you can do. Um, but anyway, Dan, I hope it, uh, <clears throat> I hope that you can see it. Yeah. If you go over and see Kevin at 40 below, tell him you want the, you know, if you're going to do a inside the waistband at the four o'clock position, tell him you want the same kind of holster that he made for me. I brought him all the things that I wanted and he built it for me. You tell him that that's what you want. Uh, and it would be uh, good. Um, how do people clip a holster on a hip belt? part of a backpack out hunting shoulder holster kind of sucks with a big pack on. That's why if I'm hunting, um, I'm carrying it on a chest rig. Uh, man gear, Alaska makes a beautiful, beautiful chest rig, uh, that carries large frame revolvers right in the middle of your chest. So you can wear it in your backpack. It's right there. It's out of the way. Again, a lot of this stuff folks is situational. You got to remember a lot of this stuff is absolutely situational. Chest rig is the only way that I would wear it out in the bush, especially if I'm wearing a backpack. That's that's the best way to do it. Well, wow, uh, that came right up to the line here. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more after this. Willie Waffle, our next guest. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Uh, continuing on here. I have more holsters than pants, says Jeannie. Well, I don't. I've only got I've only got a couple holsters because I know what I like and I know what I and I stick with one. Like I said, you could you know, varying the time of day or what's going on or the time of year, you could switch from, you know, inside the waistband to shoulder holstered and everything else. I just am a fan of continuity because I, you know, training a certain way, muscle memory and everything else. Um, I like that. Um, but it, it's, you know, you do you, whatever is most comfortable for you. Um, Safari Land mid-rides are good for the woods also, said Daniel. I've never seen a Safari Land mid-ride. Let me look at that. Let me, let me Google that real quick. Let me Google that for you here. Let me see what it looks like. Safari Land mid-rides. Uh, did I say? Yes, I meant Safari Land mid-rides. Um, uh, Safari Land mid-ride universal belt loop. Um, is this... Outside, inside. Oh, I see. Yeah. No, that would not be bad. That is, again, um, mid-ride. So it's not right up on the belt, and it's not a drop leg. It's right in the middle. Yeah, I could see that. 
again, though, um, you know, I, I like the idea of having it right here in front of me um, between my chest, you know, between my shoulders on my chest with the straps going down each side of it. I've just anytime that I've got, and of course, it's been a been a decade or decade or so since I've been hunting. But uh, that's why I have my chest rig. My chest rig is for my big, large frame revolvers if I'm in the woods, right there on the middle of my chest, uh, up and out of the way, uh, not getting tangled, not getting hooked up on brush or anything else. So it makes it makes it uh, a lot easier uh, for me. Um, Vetter Holsters makes a leather belt with a polymer insert that stands up well to holsters. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen the, there's been several different manufacturers that have done that. Um, uh, Nan at Custom Leatherworks in Fairbanks, who did an amazing job on this belt, by the way. Um, it, uh, I mean, I just love it. It's thick and stiff. Uh, this beautiful forest green that I asked her to make. Uh, you know, most black. You know, most belts are brown or black or what. I did. I wanted a nice dark forest green belt because uh, most of my clothes are green or gray or by or you know brown. That's kind of my color scheme. Um, but she does a piece of stiffened leather inside um, of her. It's all leather, so it, it, but it's the same kind of idea, keeping it stiff on the inside. Diamond D for a chest rig. Yeah, Diamond D does some good work, too. They're, they do some amazing leather work as well. Uh, Man Gear Alaska, Rebecca over there at Man Gear Alaska, she makes a chest rig that it's sold at Cabela's and, um, um, and Bass Pro, uh, and uh, it's a great it's a great holster. It's my, it's uh, Cordura made out of Cordura and uh, nylon webbing and strapping, uh, but she's got a really good track record with those as well. They, they do they're an amazing job. I mean, it's just an amazing job. Um, <clears throat> so if you're looking for holsters, there's plenty. But again, the investment in a good holster is huge. It is a huge huge thing. You, you should be investing in at least one good holster um, and, and I think, a belt. I mean, that, that, I would include that in the $500. Uh, you know, 200 150 to $200 um, of, uh, of that 500 should be spent on a good belt and a good holster, at least one. Um, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of polymer. I still, I have some leather holsters, but you know, leather, you got to maintain them. They don't like the sweat. They don't, you know, Kydex don't care. Kydex just don't care. Take the gun out, wash it off in the sink, wipe it out, dry it down, put the gun back in. I mean, just right there. It just don't care. And it rides there comfortably all day long. My holsters are actually curved. Um, in the wings, and then again, they got those J hooks on the outside, so they hug real tight to my body. Um, you know, unless you were absolutely knew exactly where to look, you would have no idea that I'm carrying a large frame pistol. A large frame pistol. Um, I don't carry, but if I did, I would like a chest rig myself. I only have long guns for hunting and home defense. Yeah, I mean, a chest rig, again, is very handy for a lot of situations, not for concealability, but for every other consideration. Uh, it makes a, it definitely makes a good choice, uh, as well. Um, did I hear Dukes is going green? Bluetooth must be getting wacky this morning. No, my belt is green. I did. Green is my favorite color. I mean, I'm, I'm not, if you're watching the show, you've noticed that probably a lot of my schemes are dark grays, greens, you know, uh, um, 
tans. There's kind of earth colors. That's my thing. I like that. Uh, look at this. This is green. Uh, look, this is my little, this is my Homer bookshop shirt, the mermaid, mermaid bookshop shirt. All right. Uh, we're coming up on it. We got Willie Waffle coming up here in just a hot second. Uh, getting ready for that. Uh, phone lines are ringing. You heard the ding. Time to get back to it. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget to like and share, like and follow. Let's find out about the entertainment news. Here we go. All right. You ready? I mean, everything's still messed up and broken, but that's how it works around here. All right. We're ready to jump into it. Uh, Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com, comes in for the weekend movie review, and he joins us right now. Good uh, morning, my friend. How how is you uh, How is you doing? Messed up and broken. It sounds like how I feel in my last relationship. Yes, that's okay. my. <laughs> I was actually describing your life. That was Willie. Yeah, that's right. That's messed right. up and broken. Let's uh, talk about my current emotional state. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, we got a weekend's worth of stuff to get get to. Uh, let's start off with the. Uh, let's start off with the entertainment news. Entertainment news. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know what we're going to start with. Should we start off with Netflix? I think we should. Netflix is celebrating this week because yep. they only lost a million viewers. Yeah, they were projecting what two and two. So, yeah. They thought they would lose two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know, yeah, quarter two was was the was the quarter where Netflix is like, listen, we're just telling all of you right up front, we're gonna get hammered. We're gonna yep. lose two million subscribers. It's gonna be ugly, but don't worry, it'll get better. Well, it got better. It, it got better in a big way. They only lost about a million. It was nine hundred seventy thousand. I think is the official number. And uh, this this is this is causing celebrations at Netflix because they are convinced that by their projections they're going to add like a million subscribers in quarter three. Because well, I don't know if you noticed, but quarter three is the one that. Uh, had the second season of uh, Stranger Things. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. Or the, uh, I'm sorry, the second part of season yeah. four. Yeah. Pardon me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I think that they definitely got some mileage out of that. And uh, maybe that's their plan. Maybe that's why they're splitting this stuff up and spreading it out so they can say, look, we got another million. I mean, they dropped off, then they came back, and then, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't know. People say, what, is it too expensive or whatever? I mean, but they're well, they're, they're trying to find ways to make this work. Yeah, I think Netflix is if Netflix is at a crossroads right now. Um and and there's been a lot of talk about this over the past couple of weeks like where are they going? What is going to happen? Uh you know, right now uh they are now promoting they made an announcement they will have that lower uh priced ad supported which nice way to say we're going to have commercials uh tier in Netflix. They're going to they're going to roll that out in early 2023. Uh they are projecting that maybe another 4.3 million people will join Netflix at that lower tier and they think that you know that that will uh, that will bring them a profit as far as you know the cost that they put in plus the money they get from the advertising plus the lower subscription costs but the thing that raised a lot of eyebrows is that the ads will be delivered by a Microsoft ad service oh microsoft and not google or anything it's not microsoft google. right and that's got some people thinking uh 
is it possible that Microsoft will buy Netflix? Because right now, <laughs> Netflix is Netflix is is a big deal, but they're going up against some pretty big companies. You know, uh, you know, Disney's pretty darn big. Uh, you know, Amazon is pretty darn big. Right. And uh, and and Netflix has been spending tons and tons and tons of money on content that, frankly, hasn't been working out lately. Uh, they, right. they have they have been adding a lot of um. They, they basically have a movie every Friday. And and we don't talk about every movie they have every Friday because most of them stink. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. They they've just had stinker after stinker after stinker, and and they haven't had that next Stranger Things series. They haven't had that next Ozark series. I mean, probably the closest thing that's come to that is Bridgerton. They've, they've been very successful with that, right? But you know, they they really haven't had that next really big deal. And and I know you're going to hate hate hearing this. There is a theory that breaking up Stranger Things into two parts and not dumping the entire season <laughs> on one day might be the way for them to go to stretch out some of those subscribers. Yeah, they did the same thing with Lucifer, uh, which was another yeah. big show that they picked up and did really well with. They split it up into like, you know, it was like seven episodes and then the last two episodes were like four months later or something. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know how I feel about that. It's just yeah. And but of course, I'm also the guy that's like fourteen bucks a month, no big deal. You know, I'll do that. Right. For, I'll do that for television and not have to worry watching it on my time and not have to worry about ads. I'll do that. Uh, but some people are a little more budget minded, I guess. Oh, absolutely, and, and you know, and there's there's always going to be a market for that. And hey, if if that's your market, great. I think it's wonderful. I, I I'd rather see people pay less and put up with commercials to get something that they like. And and I think that's what Netflix is coming to the conclusion that you know there there's just enough people out there where this makes financial sense for both sides. Uh, but I honestly I think there's a great deal of advantage if Microsoft buys Netflix. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I I fear that Netflix may maybe has gone as far as it can. You know, it's it's a really great uh, company. They've done extremely well. They shocked the world. They changed the world in a lot of ways. But they are up against some bigger competitors that can spend them into the ground. Yeah, it's true. Uh, they also haven't made any money since they started. I mean, they, they, yeah. they basically <laughs> lose money. They, you know, everybody's buying Netflix stock, but why? Because, I mean, they're not making any money. It's a prestige thing more than anything else, but... Well, we'll have to see. I mean, streaming is here to stay, whether Netflix stays in the game or not. It's here to stay. And, uh, I mean, Amazon's been knocking it out of the park with some of their series. They've been doing some amazing stuff. And so, Oh, absolutely. And Disney Plus is rolling out an ad-supported tier this fall. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, I'm happily, I will happily not watch ads, If uh, which is ironic because I'm in the ad game. But at this point, I just, I didn't, no, I didn't get, that's my job. Yeah. I don't have, I didn't got time for that at night so well and and i'll even throw this out when we talk about streaming and and, and amazon and disney and, and who the big players are uh you're starting to see it right now uh you know amazon picked up uh, thursday night football yeah and that's going to be a big deal and uh and the nfl has announced officially well not i mean officially i mean the commissioner basically roger goodell said that uh you know the direct tv dish package that uh, a lot of people get to watch their favorite football team is moving off of DirecTV. That next season, yep. it will be a streaming option. Right. Well, Netflix, you know, would be a great person to buy it, but 
or by a great company to buy it, but they probably don't have the money to compete with Disney and with uh, with uh, with Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, yeah. And so you know that just lays the groundwork even more for Microsoft to buy them, then make a play for the for the Directv football package, and now you've got a new company that is dominating. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, speaking of domination, uh, Yo Adrian uh, Sylvester. Oh yeah. Uh, he got into a little tiff on Instagram of all places. Uh, started a war with uh, oh. his uh, former producer uh, on the movie Rocky. What, what's going on here? This is this is one of my favorite stories. This is how you know the internet is over as we know it. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. So, seventy-six-year-old Sylvester Stallone used Instagram to attack ninety-one-year-old producer Irwin Winkler over the rights to Rocky. Remember a movie that's almost 50 years old. And uh, what he did is he put on Instagram this illustration of Erwin Winkler that had a knife coming out of his mouth. And he went into this rant in the comments about how Winkler's been controlling the rights to Rocky for all these years. And he wants his portion back before Winkler dies and gives the whole thing to his children and leaving Stallone and his kids with nothing. And then Stallone got even dirtier. Stallone just like you know he he went below the belt okay? okay he he also went after Winkler's son who you know is a grown man I mean let's be honest you know Winkler's ninety one his son's probably like seventy and uh, you know he he uh, Stallone said that uh, if anybody runs out of toilet paper they should buy David Winkler's book and use it for toilet paper. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, things, yeah. Things are getting savage. Things are getting yeah. savage in Hollywood. Right? It is yeah. It is. Yeah, man. Man. You, oh my God. I mean, you, you thought uh, Drake and those guys were wild on the internet. Look out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Kardashians ain't got nothing on Stallone. This is the geriatric wars on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we got about uh, three and a half, four minutes here, so let's um, uh, we'll we'll skip over uh, Harry Styles and talk about the two movies. One on Netflix, one at the theaters. Uh, my wife really wants to know about Nope, so we'll get to that one. Okay. But uh, The Gray Man, Ryan Gosling. I've seen some rushes. I still don't really know what it's about. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, it's an interesting movie. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, part Mission Impossible, part James Bond, you know, part John Wick. You know, it's uh, Ryan Gosling as this CIA agent in this uh, secret group, you know, and uh, he has come across very incriminating evidence against his CIA bosses, and now they want him dead. And he's going to travel the globe trying to avoid Chris Evans, the, the just crazy flamboyant evil assassin that's leading all the other ones after Ryan Gosling, who's Mr. Calm, Mr. Understated, Mr. Blah. Mr. Gray, the gray man. Yeah. Uh, which is, okay, it, I mean, that's a phrase that means you're undercover and unnoticeable and you're just, you blend in, which I, yeah. I just think, I never think of blending in when I think of Ryan Gosling. He's way, exactly. way too good looking <laughs> to just blend in. Uh, so, I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, what, what do you think here? Give me the, give me your scoop yeah. on I'm going two and a half waffles. I will say that it's it's best when you have Gosling and Evans kind of facing down and showing off because Gosling is that low key brooding guy. Evans is the big wild Bond villain, right? And he's having fun with it, and and he brings a little something out of Gosling that isn't there for the rest of the movie. 
So I'll go two and a half waffles. So entertaining, but not necessarily Citizen Kane, right? Yeah, and I don't think worth the $200 million that Netflix put into Ooh, making this thing. Dang. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, wow. What? I mean, how did they think they were going to get it back? Hey, maybe this is why they're having financial problems. I don't know. <laughs> a movie every week, and if it's 100 to $200 million a pop every week, start doing the math on that one, baby. That's some real money there. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, this is the movie my wife has been uh, wanting to see uh, and talk about. Jordan Peele, who's really known for Key and Peele, right? The comedy. Yeah. He has done yes. some uh, uh, just f- amazing movies that yes. are scary. I mean, like, my wife says, she, you got to watch this. I'm like, it's Jordan Peele. I don't know. She goes, no, no, no. Sit down and watch this. And I watched it, and it was them. And that movie yeah. was like, Appealed your eyeballs back. That thing was amazing. And so now they've got the new one, which is called Nope. Give it to me. Nope. And this is a this is a, a brother and sister played by Kiki Palmer and David Kaluuya uh, out on this ranch, kind of in a rural part of California, uh, you know, kind of close enough to L.A. to drive to L.A. in a, in a couple of hours. And uh, some strange storms have been breaking out and the horses and the animals on the farm are acting kind of weird and they think they see something in the clouds. Okay. What is it? What is it? What is it? And, 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 you know, the reason it's called Nope is because they have a chance to nope out of there. And like every <laughs> horror movie, they make their mistake of staying. Right. The, the, the doorknob rattles and they look at it and say, should I get it? And you're like, nope, don't get it. No, no. Then they go and open it. Uh, what, what do you think? You know, I think it, I, I I thought it was going to be better. I'm not going to lie. Um, I I think it's a it's a slow boil kind of movie. Um, you know, it grows and grows, and it kind of starts to get under your skin, and it starts to get creepy. Um, you know, I think the last act is obviously the best one because now they're having a showdown with what it is up there in the clouds. I'm not going to give it away, and uh, I think it needed that action maybe a little bit earlier, uh, just just to kind of keep the thrills uh keep keep the thrills higher when you're coming into this movie and you're all excited and you're all wondering what it's going to be uh and you know there's there's this whole other side story about this tragedy that happened years ago with one of their neighbors which i still haven't figured out how that fits into the movie uh you know i i'm giving it a reserved two and a half waffles a reserved two and a so so almost as much as the gray man or as much as the gray man but you have a reserve on this one. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I just, you know, I, I, I want to like it more than maybe I do. And I'm trying to convince myself to like it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I said his other movie was them and, but it's no, it's called oh, it's us. us called us. Yes. Right. Yeah. But the, and also get out. I say the one that really tweaked my melon was get out. That one. Was, yeah. That one was like, I, that tweaked my brain. I was like, what? And, and it just weird that Jordan Peele is this guy who you think is, Anyway, it's uh, it's amazing stuff. So two and a half and two and a half. Willie Waffle, WaffleMovies.com. My friend, thank you for coming on board this weekend, Sharon, with us. I really appreciate it. Hey, we'll be back next week, most likely. Most likely, if the world yeah, doesn't end between know. now and then. All right, folks. Yeah, hey. Coming up on Monday, it's Mayor Charlie Pierce and Scott Clayton, who's running for uh, the uh, Senate out in the Valley. We will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. All right. Um, I'm sorry. You were going to say something, and I rudely interrupted you because no, I was no, no. 
Yeah. No, I was just going to make a stupid joke as long as the monkey pox don't get as me. As long as the monkey pox. Monkey shine. <laughs> it's 12 monkeys all over again. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I just want you to know, I did sign up for the New York State monkey pox alerts. So if the monkey pox gets close enough to me, I will get a text letting me know. Okay. We'll just keep that. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, something I said that we would try and get to here pretty quick, and I, and I, I don't know if you've watched it yet. But it's the Michelle Yao movie, Everywhere, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Have you seen the? the yeah, I have not. I have not had a chance yet. This is the like the little movie that could. Everybody I know who's seen it raves about it. Yeah, and says it's amazing. And said it, it's like the greatest take on a multiverse you can think of. Yeah, no, I mean it reminded me. It looked like a combination between the Matrix and Cloud Atlas, right? I mean, it was yeah. just kind of weird, but it just looked it looked so amazing. And it's got short round in it from Indiana Jones <laughs> as a grown ass adult. I mean, who could you know who could hate that? Uh, from the Goonies, you know, little uh, uh, what? I mean, it looks it looks really wild. And so I, we got to get it. We got to get a take on that next week. Yeah, yeah, and and they're start. I I think I read the other day they're bringing it back to theaters for another run with some additional footage and additional scenes and things like that all right well you'll so, have you'll have to give us the report my friend all right I, I i have i have an assignment now all right well hopefully you do better than when i tell you about the tv shows um yeah yeah uh, yeah 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 i mean yeah. like you know, dude i'm a movie critic how well do you think i i, I do it following the rules <laughs> really exactly exactly <laughs> uh all right my friends well we're out of here again scott clayton on monday uh from uh house or senate district it was d now it's n uh, my district, and then uh, Mayor Charlie Pierce, who's running for governor. He's going to be on the program. So we got a full show on Monday. Uh, we will see you then. Have a great weekend, my friends. We'll, uh, we'll see you on the other side. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show